Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. I'm so glad to have you back listening again. Right now, we're on kind of a roll of having several guests on the podcast. Uh, last week, I spoke with Corey Fuller. The week before that was Bill Harder. Those are both great, great conversations. And next week, I'm going to be speaking with Bill Harder again, who uh, is the program coordinator at the Camrose Hospice Society. Uh, the first conversation with Bill, we were talking about grief and uh, so many other topics, but mostly it was focused on grief. And in our second conversation, we're going to be talking about supporting people who are close to the end of their life. So that's going to be a really good one. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Uh, now today, my guest is Carrie Wright, who's a friend of mine uh, here in Basha. We've been uh, friends for a number of years and connect on a lot of different overlapping interests. And so once in a while, I'll come out to Carrie's place where we're at today and uh, hang out in his man cave with him. And there's, uh, if Carrie, it feels like every time that we hang out, there's so many things that we could talk about that we could just hang out for hours and never run out of, of interesting, fascinating and inspiring conversation topics. So thank you so much for coming on the Six Ways from Sunday podcast today. And thanks for having me out to your place. You're very welcome. I'm glad you're here. I am having a hard time thinking of, okay, well, how do I introduce you? How do I introduce Carrie and your your whole story that I find so inspiring? Um, and I don't know, you probably um, run into this a lot too, where like, how do I sum up my life and all of these life experiences that have been very defining and life-changing and they're a part of who you are, but they don't define who you are. So you are quadriplegic, but that's not who you are. No, that's not. I, I guess I look at myself as a quadriplegic that's just trying to have a normal life. I just wanted to live and do the things that everyone else does. And uh, in the process, I get lots of help from so many people. And a lot of times it reaches a point where I forget I'm a quadriplegic and that then, you know, it's working, I think. <laughs> well, I'm in complete awe of some of the things that you have found a way to do that I'm sure just a fraction, tiny fraction of a percent of quadriplegics would be able to have those experiences. And maybe some of the things you do, you're the only one, I don't know, but you have, uh, just to give people a sense, if you don't know who Carrie is, like, Carrie, you you are still able to go hunting, camping, fishing, uh, flying a glider, for crying out loud. Like, the experiences that you have, uh, off-roading with your, um, your buggy that you were just telling me about before we started today, uh, what else would be on that list that, that would probably shock people? I'm probably scratching the surface. Well, probably just, I, I guess anything I can think of... Uh... We brainstorm between a few friends and and family and myself, and we think about it, and there must be a way to do it. And almost always there is. It's just whether it's worth all the effort that it takes to do. Right. But yeah, there's, you know, I do, I just love the flying. I loved the flying before the accident. And then to learn that uh, a simple Princess Auto type uh, lift will get you into a glider. It was just amazing. And then, of course, the gears start turning. Well, that'll put you on a lawnmower and it'll put you into a dune buggy and, you know, all these different things. The same sort of very, a very simple lift that you can buy at a place like that. It's basically an engine lift. Wow. And uh, once you're in, the controls are the next thing and you have to start adapting and playing and thinking and 
couple of sleepless nights and you usually come up with the answer. So really the, the, the source of all of this is just your imagination and determination to, to not be held back from living a full life. Oh, sure. Yeah. I just, I just want to live like everyone else. And I've always had that passion for things like airplanes and dune buggies and things like that, boats and, and, uh, I guess I just never wanted to give it up after I was hurt. So if you're comfortable, tell me a little bit about uh, what happened to you and just to give people a sense of the scope of your injury and uh, kind of what stage of life you were at when, um, when you were injured. Sure. I was 23 years old and it was uh, just a simple car accident with a rollover. Um, my neck got broke between the fifth and sixth vertebrae, which means my arms basically don't work very well. My biceps are the only thing that work normal. Triceps, there's none. Uh, my wrists move one way, they'll go up but not down, and no finger movement. So there's quite a bit of challenge to do any of these things because you have to have a way to grab a steering wheel or a joystick or a fishing rod or, or a rifle. And you have to come up with those ideas to figure it out and then you have to do it safely. Like you just, you can't afford, in anything that's moving, you can't afford controls that jam or something like that because of an ad adaptation you made. So for instance, the other day we were at the flight club and uh, David Loshny, a friend of mine, built a new cuff that we thought would, you know, make things a lot stiffer and nicer. And before we, I went flying, we had to put it in the glider and and try to imagine what could go wrong. And we brought over the flight instructors and head pilots and everybody looked it over and we were all, you know, the, the last thing you want is a problem because of something you made. Oh, no kidding. And so it was probably a half an hour or an hour of looking at the situation and making sure we all felt safe. Well, the, I mean, it's one thing to be out mowing your lawn and all of a sudden the engine, the motor quits and you can't get it started again or something. You, you need someone to come help you. Right. They're, the stakes aren't incredibly high, not, not nearly as high as when you're 3,000 feet above ground trying to catch a thermal and stay aloft and extend your flight and get back to the runway and safely land. Like there's, your your life is is literally on the line. Right. Um, with an activity like that. So there's varying degrees of, uh, but it seems like, you know, you apply that kind of philosophy to, to everything. We, this has to work and it has to work yeah. reliably. And, but yeah, in an airplane, it's just so much, so, uh, uh, so much more so. That's right. And you're sitting by yourself in the front. So there's no, nobody can get up there and help you. Like say you did get the controls jammed somehow with this invention you made so that you could run the controls. There is nobody that can get up there and help you. Yeah. So you have to make sure that you've eliminated the possibility of, of uh, creating a dangerous situation. Completely, yeah. yeah. And so why, for you, why is it worth that risk? And maybe for you it doesn't feel like a risk if you've really um, worked it all through and, and, uh, and it's a really simple design and you've tested it and everyone yeah. else has looked, you've had a second set of eyes look at it, that kind of mitigates the risk. But... Yeah. Just being up in the air at all is there is some risk there. For you, why does that feel so worth it? What is it about the experience of flying that even before your accident, but 
in all these years since that you've continued to, to fly, um, what does it, what does it mean for you? I just, it's just an amazing freedom feeling when I'm in the air, I'm totally fixated on the flying, the finding lift, making sure we can get back to the airport with what height we have. And, uh, for literally for two to three hours, I totally forget that I'm that I have a disability. Wow. Um, I couldn't be a pilot again. And you know, you're hanging out with pilots, and there's just something about that being included into the group again, where for so many years I thought it was way out of reach, and uh, it's just such a novelty still. And I've been doing it for ten years. It just, it doesn't get old. Hey? It never gets old. Never gets old to me. The minute I'm in the air, I forget all about the wheelchair that's on the ground. Wow. And, uh, and it literally leaves me grinning for weeks after. It's amazing. <laughs> cheeks are probably hurting when you get home. Hey? Yeah, I just love it. I <laughs> just like a it. kid, hey? Yeah. Oh, wow. And I love that you also talked about uh, or mentioned the, the way it feels to be part of that culture that's that's and that is a big part of it you know it's something that gathers people together at gliding clubs from the little bit of exposure that I've had to it because as you know I'm a pilot as well um fixed wing not a gliding pilot but I've had a little bit of exposure to that world and it is very unique because it's not something that one person can usually go out and do by themselves you by definition, you need to have someone help you get in the air, whether that's a tow plane or a truck or a winch. Or, there's all these moving pieces to it that it's done kind of communally. And and you're taking your turn, and there's so there's people on the ground waiting and uh, you know in touch with each other by radio, and, and there really is like a, a community around it, hey, like a culture. You know, it takes a huge amount of work, a huge amount of effort to do it. There's like you say, the, there's all the equipment involved. Like there's airplanes and gliders and a clubhouse and and a field. You know, like a basically a quarter section of land is there, and it it is a huge undertaking. So you really, I really am in awe that they will include me and go to all this work. And when they hear I'm coming up there, there's people that will take the day off of work to come and. Wow. To come and help out for the day and just be part of it. And, and I, you know, I always mention to them, how do I thank you guys? And, you know, one of them came back and he said, you know, just by you being here and smiling, he said, you've made the whole club's day. Wow. Just by doing it. And I thought, you know, that's amazing to hear that because I never thought of it from their point of view that they really do enjoy it also. Yeah. And, uh, so it's for me, it's really important to let them know how much it means to me because it is huge. Yeah. It's huge. And so in some ways, it's like they look at you and don't see the wheelchair either. Like you've forgotten that it's on the ground when you're in the air. Yeah. For them, you're just, you're just carry. You're not carry with a disability. Yeah. But at the same time, it is in a way even more special to them that you go to the extents that you do and the lengths that you do to still be able to do this activity that most people in a wheelchair would not even think about. True, true, yeah. And then to come down after the flight, you know, there you're, uh, we're talking about flying and thermals and where the lift was and how you found it and what heights you should be at to find the lift. And there's all these things and I find out, find when I'm driving home afterwards, you know, we never talked anything about disability the whole day. Yeah. It was just, all about how did you find the lift? Yeah. Where was it? And yeah. why? Yeah. 
So it's pretty neat. Then you realize how fully included included you are in the in the whole situation. Yeah. And, and how nice. irrelevant the yeah. a, a physical disability is to those connections, the friendship, the camaraderie, and the bonding. Exactly. And when you see a half a dozen gliders looking for lift, you don't know who's in a wheelchair <laughs> that's flying. It, <laughs> that's it so doesn't true. matter. It's yeah, yeah. They're all doing the same thing, and it doesn't take a big big amount of strength or anything. So right. that's nice. It's a perfect sport for someone in a wheelchair, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you wouldn't think so, but when you break it down that way, yeah. it really does work. Sure it does. Yeah, there's nothing you can hit up there, so you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. And uh, there's very little movement needed to control it. Yeah, it's so very fine, fine-tuned Very controls. fine. And actually, the less you move, the better. You're not wasting energy. Right. And it's all about energy con- conservation. Yeah. The whole thing, so... So, so this is a change, a bit of a change in topic, but yeah, that's just good. as you were describing the way, um, the way other pilots and just your friends, part of the club, are treat you with that just total acceptance and love. Um, I mean, I added that word. I don't know if you would no, use that true, word, though. but yeah. Do you, have you had a lot of challenges since the accident of feeling like? The, that that hasn't been extended to you or feeling judged or feeling uh, discluded or anything along those lines? Oh, most definitely, especially right after the accident. You know, you're for a while, you don't, you don't know where you fit in anymore. Your life, the life is so drastically changed. Like, you know, that was a time when everybody was going to dances and stuff like that, and all of a sudden you're not included. So it was a really tough adjustment for a few years. Well, yeah. yeah, being in your early 20s, that's such a transitional and formative period of your early adult life too, right? Like, right. And building new relationships and people are... Exactly. ...moving to, you know, take new jobs or... Exactly. And then, you know, when um, a severe disability like that, it takes you, takes you right out of the game immediately. And it takes a little soul searching to get back at it and want to get back at it. And yeah, uh, fortunately, I had lots of hobbies and lots of friends. And uh, we'd pick one and, okay, how are we going to make this? How are we going to go fly fishing tonight? Hmm. And it would be that quick. You'd be, have it figured out to where you were fishing tonight. Really? Yeah. And it was the same with hunting uh, deer. It was literally... I would imagine once we started thinking about it, it was about three days and I was out hunting. Wow. It was amazing. Yeah. So and you mentioned at the beginning that what has made that possible for you is, I mean, beyond your own brilliant mind and creativity and uh, resourcefulness is just the support of friends yeah. and family and other people that have either great ideas or they've got the right tools or. Yeah. And it's all, it's all about support. I've got such a great family. And friends network, they're just amazing, amazing people. And uh, they love to help. And uh, I suppose maybe a few of them like to see me screw up, which happens a lot. <laughs> Usually before there's a success, there's about four or five failures. And, yeah. and then, uh, but we never give up. We always say, oh, it's okay. We'll think about it for a week and yeah. we'll have it going next week. Well, you kind of need to fail in order yes. for, not only for the just not only for it to be meaningful and uh, that much more uh, of a celebration when you do get it right, 
Yeah. But the failures are literally how you figure it out. Like, well, that didn't work, so we're going to have to try this. And Yeah. And when, and when I'm using other people's hands or other people are helping, of course, they've got their own ideas. Yeah. And it's really taught me to have an open mind that there's always more than one way to do stuff. I might have it mapped out right down to the details in my head. And someone will come along to help me do it. And they'll have a totally different idea. And I've really learned to sit back and listen to them. Because a lot of times their ideas are as good, maybe better. And uh, if not, they could be amalgamated with my ideas yeah. to make it go. So, of course. So it's really taught me to have an open mind on on other people's ideas. Um, I know that one of the things, one of the other sources of uh, in, either inspiration for new ideas or just tips and ideas on how to do things is that you're also part of uh, online communities. Yes. And do a lot of online research. Like we just with everything that's at your fingertips and being able to control, like you have, we're in your, your den here for people listening. Uh, you've got a big, big widescreen TV as your computer monitor, and you're able to control that from your chair. Um, you're able to just hop on YouTube or hop on Google search and, and find things that other people in, in chairs have been able to uh, innovate and, and uh, find ways of doing things that, that if you're stumped, right? So what, what has it been like to be part of, like tapped into that uh, online community of support as well? That is, it's just amazing. There's all kinds of peer support for spinal cord injuries, things like that online. Uh, I find out a lot of people are trying to do the same things when you access all of North America. Um, there'll be someone that'll come on and say, has anyone mowed their lawn? And then you're like, oh, yeah, hey, they could use the ideas that we have incorporated into mowing the lawn. Yeah. And so you end up bantering back and forth and sending all your pictures and videos. And, and they're like, thanks a lot. That's right along the lines of what I was thinking of. Now, how do you get into it? Right. How do you get in? And I just say we put a, a winch in the garage on a barn door track. And that's it. It lifts you out of your wheelchair, drops you in the lawnmower. And uh, away you go. And then, you know, uh, one of the problems with the quadriplegic is like, you're almost like an octopus trying to balance on a stick or something. You, <laughs> we flop over and fall down all the time. And so we really have to be propped up. Yeah. And one of the things we figured out from the running the dune buggy around is that a race car seat works amazingly well to keep you contained. So we went and, on Kijiji again, of course. And uh, picked up a race car seat and a racing harness out of it. And that's on the lawnmower now. So now wow. I can mow side hills or whatever. And there's no danger of falling out. That's but, incredible. But a simple fix like that, there's so many quadriplegics that have run into the difficulty of how do you prop yourself on a lawnmower and not fall off and kill yourself? Yeah, no kidding. And it's, it it's, was such a simple fix once you... Once idea. you got the idea, yeah. it was it was an afternoon and it was all fixed up yeah. and gone. And what I love is that yeah. it's not just uh, a source for you to, to get past the next hurdle or to solve a problem. You are providing, like, uh, look at all the amazing things you've done. You're sharing those ideas and the specific how-tos and what worked and what part you had to go by and yeah. with all of this community. Like, I don't know what the size of community that would be of how many 
people that are living with spinal cord injuries, even like in Canada or in North America, I'm sure it's many thousands. I would imagine in the hundreds of thousands, but I'm, I, you know, I'm not sure neither. Mm. But. So one of the other connections that I know um, that you have with that community as well is that you do some writing. Yes. I, so I'd love to hear you share a little bit about, about that and why, why you do it, what, what type of writing you do. I, I just, I guess I really enjoy writing. It's one of the things, sit down and if it's a quiet time, nobody's going to come in and interrupt. So, because I, I don't know, I guess like anybody into a little bit of arts, you get a train of thought going and you don't want it broke until you're done. <laughs> yeah. So I do write for a couple of magazines and mostly it's about being outdoors, uh, you know, get outside, do stuff, whether it's walking the dog, fishing, hunting. Um, there's all kinds of things. I'm just finishing one on, I was trying to learn to swim and that didn't go so well. So there's going to be some, uh, humor in that one. <laughs> I, of course, I like to throw in lots of that. So, yeah. So I really, just really enjoy the writing. And so uh, learning to swim, that one you have not told me about that. I'm really curious how that could even be possible. Yeah. So, uh, so am I at this point. Yeah, a friend of mine that's a quadriplegic, she swims quite often. And so I thought, oh, this will be, you know, there's no friction, it'll be easy. And I ended up in a pool and uh, I kind of looked like something that might have fallen out of an airplane at 30,000 feet and hit the ocean. <laughs> Anyhow, I, uh, uh, I ended up going nowhere. I thrashed around and created a lot of foam on the water and got a lot of laughs from... <laughs> from the peanut gallery but it didn't work out very good so uh i guess i figure now if i'm on a cruise ship that goes down six inches for shore from shore i'll be okay <laughs> so it's amazing to me that you're able to you're that you are able to just laugh at at the things that don't work or the obstacles that are in in your way the hurdles that prevent you from doing something that um someone without that disability would just completely take for granted. Yeah. And there's, it's not just swimming or extreme sports or going quadding, like the, some of the incredible things that you're doing, but just the ordinary everyday things too, that like that I would go through my day and, and take dozens of things for granted that for you are far more challenging or that would be impossible without someone supporting you and helping to do that thing. Yes. What is, what is life just a typical day life in, in Carrie's shoes, like in terms of what you're able to do on your own and, and needing support for? I, I need to, uh, help getting started, like get out of bed, get all the morning routines done, stuff like that. And it does take a lot of work, a lot of effort. And that throws a wrench into, you know, if you have an everyday life with a job nine to five, it would be very, very difficult but I'm fortunate to have started bookkeeping and tax preparation and a few things like that that I can do right at home so I can pick my hours then and mm. and just and work from home. Uh, once I'm in my chair, I'm pretty self-sufficient for most of the day. I'm pretty good. When something goes wrong is when I have a problem. Like you go outside and get stuck. Yeah. That happens. And yeah. to someone else, it's not a big deal. But if you're home alone and you're stuck outside, it's a big deal. It's, uh, it's a long afternoon. <laughs> no kidding. Well, also, for people listening that wouldn't know, um, we're here on your acreage, so we're n yeah. you're not even in town or, like, right. uh, within 
uh, easy shouting distance of a neighbor or somebody like, and you've got, you know, your hills and gravel and soft grass and stuff to contend with. That's very different from if you were living in a city or something or an apartment building. Yes, that's so true. And so when I am alone, I have to be very, that's another one of those safety issues. You've got to Mm -hmm. be very safe. Don't do anything that you can get into trouble. Don't be wandering out on a dock or something like that alone, you know, because it's always something you don't think of that's going to bite you. Yeah. In the end, I know when we lived in town, I was home alone there one day and I was a little warm and I thought, oh, I'll go out on the back deck. It was winter time and I'll just have my coffee out there and then come back in. Well, it was about 15 below maybe. And so I was out there for a few minutes and I thought, oh, it's about, I better go in. Well, be darned if the wind didn't slam the door behind me. Oh no. And I had no way to get back in. And, uh, we didn't have it shoveled out. There was nobody around. I didn't bring a phone out with me. And I thought, oh, this is real good. By five o'clock tonight, I'm probably not going to be here. So what happened? uh, I ended up banging and thrashing on the door and trying to break it down. And I finally did get it to pop the latch and open enough to get my hand in behind it. Wow. And once I finally did, I got the door open, got inside and I thought, you know, that was one of the stupidest things I've ever done. And I didn't even see it coming. And I couldn't believe that I didn't see it coming. That a gust of wind could shut the door and you're done. You could be could be gone. Uh, many people with disabilities have died that way. Wow. Right at home. Just because the door's closed behind them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you now just I just wouldn't now, even think about that. I never even thought of it. It caught me so off guard. And that's probably the most dangerous situation I've been in, in a wheelchair. Just a simple gust of wind. Now, like I say, I would never think of that. You, by by necessity, have to view life from a completely different perspective where you're analyzing everything that you do from the perspective of, is this going to put me in a position where I'm kind of stranded or, or needing right. help. And is, is there help? Is there someone here? Like yeah. you're constantly having to think about those things in a way that I wouldn't be, wouldn't even be on my radar. No. And it, and it was not on my radar for a long time till something like that happens. Right and now you can be guaranteed that's never going to happen again. Right. But cause I'm going to remember that one and share it with whoever. Yeah. But, but um, no, I've had to be very careful and then it makes you stop and think, what other things have I, am I missing and situations have I put myself in that could have resulted in something bad? Yeah. Yeah. I know I went down um, a steep ramp once and I was home alone that time too. And I didn't realize that my wheelchair had a flat tire on the front. Hmm. At the time, it, the air must have leaked out sometime during the day. So I went down the ramp and uh, these wheelchairs depend on both back tires having pressure because you steer by, by stopping one or slowing one, t- right. one, one wheel down. Well, of course, when I started going down the ramp and tried to slow down, the one lifted up on the back. And I ended up on a runaway and putting my foot through the garage door. And it was quite a, quite a wreck. And I was home alone. And I thought, you know, they're a simple flat tire. Created right. a new situation that you would never think about. Were you hurt when that happened? No, no, oh. I, I wasn't. It just pushed my foot back on the foot pedal, but the foot pedal went through the garage okay. door. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So and so you were lucky. I, I was quite lucky I didn't get hurt. 
yeah. and uh, didn't flip over or anything like that. Yeah. But it took a little bit of figuring out why did it go on a runaway all of right. a sudden. Yeah. So that, there's a great example there of just how unpredictable life is for any of us. Yes. I mean, you uh, something as simple as low air pressure in one of your four tires can yep. cause a runaway down the ramp and an accident. Exactly. Something as simple as distracted driving or oh yeah someone who's uh you know a drunk driver or just a slippery road can, can or... yeah any any of those long list of, of uh common causes of of car crashes can put a person in a wheelchair for the rest of their life yes like small things can have these huge impacts yeah and it, it always seems to be something we haven't thought of yeah so communication with other people's great because they'll let you know what bit them Right. And then hopefully you can learn from it and not have it happen. So as someone who is living with the consequences, these permanent long-term, lifelong consequences of one of those small little things, and I don't think you mentioned what the cause of the accident was you were in, but not that it matters, but how do you, how do you make sense of, of, the, of, of the fact that, um, that you're stuck with this consequence now from such a small little thing? of that whatever caused a car accident and that you, you know we all have to kind of wrestle with that question of making sense of living in a world where um there are epically enormous consequences that can happen from a, a small thing and for, like another example is just you know I've got three kids and Kelly and I will talk about all the time about how you know you have to find that balance of being mindful of watching your kids and making sure they're not going near the road or that they're not you know you don't want them to um, be unattended around strangers because someone could grab them. And, but then you also don't want to be constantly paranoid of, and living your whole life in fear of, of bad things happening. Right. So for you, how do you find that balance, especially now that like post accident? I, I guess for me, I just take it as, um, it, it's been a huge, huge learning experience. It's been an opportunity to start over fresh is another th another way to look at it like you know when i was laying in the hospital and and not able to move anything for a, quite a number of months or at least a couple of months then uh, it just uh, i thought well i'm going to start over and every day i'm going to learn a little bit more and do something extra and it's just been kind of in some ways it's kind of freeing that you're starting over and then in other ways you're taken out of the game as far as, you know, you see people running to their jobs and, and things like that. And, and maybe that's a little bit freeing too. Like I always try to look at the good side of it instead mm. of the, instead of the bad side. So you, your attitude is incredible, Carrie. Like you're, uh, how the, how you're able to, to stay so focused on the positive. But I mean, there's obviously got to be days that aren't so easy to do that too, that oh, are harder to, to have that, ad, bring that attitude to life. Most definitely. There's times where it is very hard. And for me, I need some quiet time then and yeah. think about it, think about it, think about it. And, and for me too, I, I did see a lot in the hospital where there was people that had no visitors and no family and stuff like that. But then, you know, um, I had such a good group that I, I was very, very fortunate right from mm -hmm. the start. And then, you know, I quickly learned it was more fun to have fun 
than to be a downer. Yeah. And you got more fun people hanging around you when you're when you are fun. And then it just fuels on itself, I believe, once you get it going. Yeah. Or or that's what I found anyhow. And I I still have so much fun. There's still so many great people around around me. Yeah. I, I just love it. So it sounds like ref, kind of just reflecting on your circumstances and weighing your options and like just the the simple uh, fact of well this this is what it is yeah. and I hear my options I can either live life this way or I can go down a spiral into the pit right. of despair which which one am I going to do but are there has there anything else that you found either when you were 23 when it first happened or since then in life that has helped to fill you up in terms of emotional, mental, spiritual well-being or uh, strengthening that resolve to to have that that positive attitude? Or is it just kind of the way you're wired and the choice that you made? I'm not sure what what did it, but I got thinking about it. And, and um, because I was out of the race, you know, for uh, a fair bit of time, I, it was no longer important to be in the race. It was mm. no longer important to own all the stuff or have money or, yeah. To me, I had to think about what was important to me, and it was uh, having fun and love of other people. You mm. know, having good relationships with the people around me, having fun, and beyond that, need enough money to do that, and that's all. But and, just out of yeah the necessity to like I just need money so that I can do this that's thing, right that's not. Right. For the sake of just yeah. having and, money. And for me, I have to dangle a carrot in front of my nose and say, okay, I've got to make X number of dollars to do this thing that I want to do. And then I'll go out and do it. Right. So but then, if, if it's as just, a motivation. Yeah. But if it's just to pile it up, you know, it, to me, it doesn't, it, it doesn't rank, you know, that to take all my time to make money, that's, that's not the important thing to me neither. Yeah. It's, it's people love of the people I've that are around me and uh, having fun and hopefully with them. Well, a lot of people don't ever figure that out, Carrie, until either never or until late in life when it's kind of too late that, you know, geez, I spent all these working years just building up success or, you know, not spending time with the people that really matter because the work or the job was was the focus and then and then regretting it later in life or or just never realizing that those priorities maybe weren't where they they needed to be but i i like too what you said about you know dangling the carrot in front of yourself to say to kind of get your your ass in gear to <laughs> to um, bring in the money so that you can do this other fun thing i think everybody wants to feel like the way they're spending their time or the way that we're spending our lives is purposeful, that it's having an impact. And even if that purpose is just, well, you know, the way that you make that $500 isn't so important, but you want to have that $500 so you can buy this fun little gadget and then have fun with it and just yeah. have enjoyment. And then, and then that fills you up. Um, for, for you, when you look at your life, whether that's in your writing that you're doing or doing bookkeeping for people or your your many many hobbies that you have do you what do you th feel gives you that greatest sense of purpose or what, how would you describe your life's your life's purpose i think uh for me it it might be to figure out stuff and share 
how to do it, how to, how to be, you know, make the world totally inclusive to people in, with disabilities. Maybe, maybe that's it. So I, I try to share everything that I've learned and everything's wide open. Like if another person in a wheelchair wants to come and try the buggy, get over here. Let's fire the thing up. If they want to try fly fishing, come on over hmm. and let's do it. That's you know, really neat. Because it's to be shared. I think everything's to be shared. Yeah. It's kind of, I think it's, I, you and I share that belief that why we're here is to connect with other people and yeah. that human connection and, um, and sharing and, and love is really at, at this, at the core of all of us. It's what we have in common, no matter what our physical circumstances are and abilities, or it's just, it doesn't discriminate against anything in terms of age, gender, ethnicity, capacity, right. whether that's physical or mental, it's, yeah, you, you can still find something to connect with any other human being, right? Through, right, and and for me too, I I realize that everybody's different. Like that's the way my life works for me. But you know, maybe somebody that is making monstrous amounts of money, if that's what they truly love to do, they're doing the right thing. Good for them, and I'm really happy for them. Right. You so know, you have no judgment around oh, no, no. the way other people Everybody's, live their lives. No, there's yeah. lots of room in the world. That they can live <laughs> their life the way they want. And yeah. it's not up to us to take their experiences away by telling them they're doing something wrong. Yeah. You know, it's so it, true. Learn, your, learn from your own experiences. Um, one of the really um, important things that, that Robin and I and the rest of kind of the, the Six Ways from Sunday online community and the those of us that kind of started this whole venture um, that we really believe is that there is no just one right way to, to live life or to view um, God or religion or, you know, there's so many paths to not righteousness, but to, if you want to call it salvation or just to, to living a good life and being a good human being, there's, there are many answers to the questions uh, that we all have about why we're here, what happens after we're here, where sure. did we come from? The the questions that, if you will, religion was designed to help us answer. Right. Um, so I'm curious what your uh, spiritual views are that we haven't really talked about. What uh, what do you kind of believe when it comes to your own spirituality? I definitely believe that there's a higher power, God, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I know when you put out your intentions, you, you get an answer. Hmm. You know, like if, you, if you're if you thinking, you know, fun, you're having fun, you're wanting fun, like that, and you keep putting it out there, it comes back. But I know, I've also know people that are, you know, if you complain a lot, you get something to complain about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it just seems to be the way it works. It's, like, it's almost like this is... Uh, um, this world is almost like our playground. Now put it out there what you want and learn from it. It becomes a self-fulfilling it, it, prophecy. It'll sorta. happen, yeah. But, I, you know, I've had lots of signs over the years that God or spirit is around. Hmm. Uh, there was a time in despair where I had unquestionable response with lightning. Uh, <laughs> I asked a few times and a storm came out of nowhere and landed one like literally feet from me. Wow. And uh, it was okay. I don't need to ask again. I've got my answer. 
And, you know, and stuff like that has happened over and over and over in my life. So I, every time I need a little reassurance that there's a bigger power, uh, in, from my experience, I've had very, very clear signals. Hmm. So I, I have no doubt. So uh, that kind of gives me a bit of a sense of where, of, of your kind of belief structure or um, what you put faith, your, put your faith in. Do you have uh, like a daily or weekly practice of things that are meaningful you, to you in terms of tradition or um, routine that's part of, part I, of your faith? No, I, I wouldn't say I do have a routine, but I do think and give thanks a lot, an awful lot. And I know mm. I've got so much to give thanks for. Yeah. And so I do that and I do get some spiritual emails and things like that that I read over and it gives me food for thought usually every morning. Yeah. And so I really enjoy that. And, and, uh, most of the stuff is about putting out there what you want and it mm. will be answered. You know, you got to put it out. You can't be complaining about not having money. Cause if you bring that over and over and over, it, it'll self-fulfill. It will. But if you're thinking you've got abundance, which, Obviously, we do have abundance. All of us do. Yeah. Uh, you'll have a lot more. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible how yeah. that works. It's like what you focus on, or there's that phrase, what um, what you resist persists. Yes. And the more you complain about something or, or focus on it in the negative, yes. it becomes so prominent in your experience. That's it. And You're, it just attracts more of that thing. That's right. I believe it's your focus that does it whether you focus on positive focus on negative uh you're right either way you're going to get what you focus on yeah it it really does um create your reality i believe so i believe we do have quite a bit of influence on our reality Mm. yeah we certainly do with dealing with people like you know none of us wants to be around a downer is what you know unfortunately and and so then being lonely doesn't help people get away, get out of that, uh, circle. Yeah. That can be a kind of a, uh, vicious cycle. I'm yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it can. But the only, the, <laughs> the, the key to unlocking that is that realizing that you hold the keys, that it, you are the one that can, can, that can affect your, your circumstances. And that's true. Yeah. We do hold all our own keys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's one of those things that it's not about. Um, it's not about uh, a particular being part of a particular denomination. It's not a part of a, a specific theology. It's just kind of rules to live by or lessons of life. Yeah, for me, life is just fun and love, period. <laughs> and anything that will help those two things along, that's all that matters to me. Yeah, I yeah. love that you have those two core words that are that are just. Yeah part of your value system and how you, how you live out your life. And you can see it like you are doing so much that is that you're having fun, but you're adding fun to the people around you and you're doing it with love. You're doing it with kindness. You're doing it with patience. You're doing it with creativity and, and that inspires people. So the impact you're having on the people that you spend your days with and the people that you connect with through sharing your story through your writing and through the videos and pictures that you share and the online communities you're part of, your impact on the world is just enormous. It's, it is very inspiring. 
Oh, that's humbling. That's nice to hear. <laughs> well, it's just, it's the way that's... I see it. I think it's just true. Oh. So I really appreciate you sharing some of that story with me today. Oh, good. And I'm always game to help any families or people with disabilities that want to try any of this stuff. Uh, I, I'm always open to helping anybody. What would be the best way for anyone to contact you if they have questions or um, would, or would like to, to oh, speak to you? They can look me up on Facebook is good or uh, that's probably the best. My Facebook's always running in, in the background. Yeah. And, there's usually people talking or chatting. That's so, awesome. So well, thanks good. for that that offer. And thanks you again for just hanging out with me this afternoon. Great. I hope you come out again. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, we got to get the drones out uh, this summer. That's right. And chase each other around. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, thanks, Carrie. Okay, take care. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, just a reminder to, if you have a quick second to give us a rating, subscribe to the podcast or write a review within your podcast app we would so appreciate that we'd love to hear from you as well just if you have thoughts on this episode or other conversations that you've listened to on the show uh, you can get in touch with us either through probably the best way is through our facebook page as well so if you just look up six ways from sunday on facebook you can get in touch with myself or any of the guests we've had and i'll pass those comments and questions along and uh, ideas for other guests to come on the show or topics for Robin and I to talk about, those are always uh, welcome as well. So thanks again, everybody, and be well. Take care.